Blog Talk Radio. McDonald. I will have hosting duties, uh, essentially in title only, because as our listeners may know by now, we have a change in uh, format that's going to lead to a lot more roundtable discussions. So tonight, joining me is our head editor, uh, Mr. Dr. Michael Miles. Doctor, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It's a lot and of fun being a contributor us. on the on the podcast <laughs> instead of the host, so I'm really looking forward to that. It's, it's a different feel, I will say that. And uh, joining us also is junior editor, uh, Tito Rivera. Tito, how's it going? <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> and uh, finally making his return to uh, the Redbird Rants podcast after uh, leaving for a lesser team. Uh, Trevor, welcome back. How's it going? Doing well. I think you're just excited that you can finally say lesser team in the standings, huh? It is a really <laughs> nice feeling. Uh, it's, it's been a long time, but, you know, for now, we're going to be able to be able to say that. So, guys, <laughs> uh, we got about an hour and a half tonight, so let's just jump right into it. The first uh, topic tonight, a very, very late deal for the Cardinals, uh, adding Juan Nicasio from the rival Pirates for uh, A shortstop, I believe, who I don't think really had anything of sort of future for the team. But what do you guys think? Trevor, what is your opinion on this very late trade? Well, it was really weird because the timing of it means that he can't help it, uh, in the playoffs, should the Cardinals be able to make that final push? They're only four games out, so I guess that you know they're a lot closer than than I had thought, honestly, before I looked. So it seems weird, but also it's he's a solid pitcher. Um, he's had a good a good season, and he could be very helpful moving towards that playoff push at the end of the season. So it's it has its good and its bad, and uh, I don't know. Some people think that it it has no. Uh, and it's just a weird move, but or it's a dumb move. I don't think it is, especially if he can put them into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you there. You know, it's it's the timing of it is extremely odd because of the fact that he can't be on the on the playoff roster. But the stats don't lie, and if he can be a very useful pitcher over this last month, you can't deny giving up someone that really wasn't on the radar of the team and could potentially be re-signed for a decent contract next year. But, Tito, what do you think about the deal? You know, I'm going to have to echo some sentiments here about it being a very weird acquisition. There's no doubting that the Cardinals could have made this move earlier 
in the waiver wire probably period. Um, but, you know, I'm sure the Pirates were more than reluctant to hand them hand him straight to the Cardinals for uh, a double-A player. And, and maybe the case is that the Cardinals asked about him and the Pirates' asking price was too high. And so if, you know, if we're, you know, being realistic here, maybe this was the only way that the Cardinals were going to go get uh, Nicasio. And, you know, unfortunately he, we had to trade somebody to the Phillies, which doesn't really matter too much because they're not in the same division. And as you said, Josh, you know, the, the guy that we traded away um, wasn't in the top 30 rankings for prospects. Um, he pretty much, you know, was going to be a utility player, maybe could have been a Greg Garcia role. So, Interesting trade. If it helps the team get in, that's great. But I really wish they would have went and got him before uh, September 1st so he could be in the playoff, uh, possibly in the playoff roster. Now, this was just a report, so I can't confirm it. But I do remember reading that the Pirates and the Cardinals did talk, but previously before the, the September 1st deadline, but the Pirates actually pulled him back and then put him back out and had conversations with the Cardinals again. So that may have been uh, a little bit of uh, on the Pirates' part, just trying to make sure that he wasn't on on the playoff roster or they finally just said, you know what, let's get rid of him. I don't know. But, Dr. Miles, what's your take? Well, I actually wrote a piece about him looking at his mechanics and his uh, heat maps and, and that sort of thing. And so I was really glad to see him come over. Uh, I also want to sort of echo what, what Tito said and, and play off of what you said, Josh, because I do remember the report of him being a, a discussion piece between the Cardinals and the Pirates. And I think that Tito, I think you're, you're right. I think that he was discussed the asking price was probably too high because the Pirates were not going to hand a division rival, someone like a Nicasio. And so they, they pulled him back. And then ultimately they waited, like you said, Josh, until, you know, the time had passed where he could not be on a postseason roster, allowed him to go away because they had already planned for that. The Cardinals waited and the Cardinals probably let him get picked up by somebody else because they in turn did not want to send a prospect to the pirates. I mean, let's assume that this utility player Alvarez, who we sent turns out to be a great player. Wouldn't you rather him be a great player for the Phillies and the NL East, as opposed to somebody you may have to face, you know, multiple times in a season. And so I think that it worked out in terms of that for the future. Uh, For the present, I think it it will help us. You have to think, Kevin Segrist is gone, and we've got some people in the bullpen who are injured. I mean, you've got Zach Duke out there now, and and while he's not injured anymore, he's just coming back from an injury. So to pick up a veteran, a seven-year veteran, I I think it made a lot of sense. I, too, agree with everybody. I, I wish that he could be eligible. But, you know, I hate to be sort of the Debbie Downer here, but that assumes that the Cardinals are actually going to make it to the postseason. And I think that the reaction from or the organization at this point is we need to work hard to get to the postseason, and then we'll worry about it if once we get there. And that's my take. 
So I have just two questions, and we'll go around and kind of get the feel for you guys. The first one is, would you like to see Nicasio, because his numbers have been pretty outstanding this year, take over the closer's role that his, that be specifically his over a Tyler Lyons, and what do you need to see from Nicasio for this team to potentially sign him to a multi-year deal in the offseason? Uh, let's start with Trevor. No, that's that's kind of a tough question. I don't know. I mean, he has two saves on a year, but you, we've seen a lot. You never know how a pitcher's really going to react in the role till he's there. So while he's been great as a middle relief role, um, I think that you keep him at his strength, especially if he's going to be a, uh, there for a playoff push. You want to keep him where he's going to be able to help your team the best. So I think that him more in not a non-closer role and more of a, you know, in the relief role that he's used to would be more helpful for the team. And if he is that final piece that, that pushes the Cardinals into the playoffs, um, or even if they get like super close, it comes down to the wire. If it is because of him, or you can, you know, point to him as a main reason, I think that's enough to, to go after re-signing him. Um, if not, if things just kind of, roll along and, and he turns out to be a helpful, but, you know, he, he didn't make as much of a difference as Dr. Miles said, get, you know, the, the win now in that win now mindset, then I don't, I don't know if you push so much money towards him. I, you know, I agree. I think that um, the, the Cardinals are in an opposition with the bullpen at this point, because when you look at it, as Dr. Miles said, Segrist is gone. Zach Duke is more than likely gone after this year. Trevor Rosenthal is going to be out for next year. So I think that they need to keep Nicasio in mind, specifically now that he's on the team, get a real look at him. But it's hard to say because he's on a, he's on a very, very friendly deal right now. I believe he was only making like $600,000 this year. He's going to get multi-million dollars after the year he just had. So I, I agree with you a little bit, but I think that, the Cardinals adding him is a very good sign for him potentially being on this team next year. Tito, what do you think? So to answer your first question, uh, whether or not, you know, if he should be used in the closer role, I'm going to have to agree with Trevor here. I think he's best used what he's most comfortable with. And if that's the middle innings, you know, seven, eight, then I think that's where he needs to be. Um, If you can remember earlier in the year when Brett Cecil talked about, you know, having roles in the bullpen, you know, right now it seems that the Cardinals are pretty set on Tyler Lyons being the closer. And, you know, obviously he got pulled early and that caused a big fiasco uh, the other day. But, uh, you know, he's pitched in multiple uh, ninth inning roles so far. So I think Lyons is going to be the closer moving forward um, because he has, you know, been the best reliever that the Cardinals have had this year. Now, whether whether or not Nicasio ends up pitching in the seventh, eighth inning, I think it's going to depend on the matchups. Um, Matheny's a guy that likes to play matchups. He likes playing right-handers versus right-handers and vice versa with lefties. Um, and Nicasio does have a pretty good slider as well, so he could be used against lefties in uh, certain situations that like to pull the ball, especially with his uh, off-speed slider. Now, what do I need to see for him to be on the Cardinals next year? 
I just need to see consistency. Uh, the bullpen has been bad for the Cardinals, so if he just continues to do what he's doing, I guarantee you the Cardinals are going to throw the money at him. And, you know, it remains to be seen if it's going to be worth it, but if I see the consistency, then it's more of a, a bet that the Cardinals will end up signing him uh, possibly for a couple seasons. Yeah, I I have to agree with you on it, Slider. I watched some clips of, of that today, and when it's on, it's on. There is some real filth to that pitch. Dr. Miles, let's uh, let's get your opinions on the uh, on the two questions that have been posed. Well, I recently wrote a piece, and I'm, I love how you keep you know teeing me up for these. But I, I wrote a piece about the Cardinals having a, a inherent closer already on the squad. And I actually said that that closer was two people, Tyler Lyons, which we've heard discussed enough here. But I also talked about John Brevia as a useful piece as a closer. To answer your first question about would we slot in Nicasio there, I think it's too early for that. I think that you roll with those two names of Brevia and Lyons. You watch what's happening with Nicasio, Nicasio, and you see how he performs in his current role. If you're seeing that that slider continues to be as nasty as it is and can be, and if you think you are really out of the race, then I don't, I don't think you have anything to lose by putting him in the closer role and see how that works out. Because at that point, you're looking forward to the next year. You are starting to plan ahead. I think you can also be planning ahead with him in his current role. As, as all of you have said, I, I think that he – fits very nicely with the club. I mean, I don't think he's an, you know, uh, he, he never has been an all-star. I don't think he's there yet. I think this may be his best season. That's not to say he can't repeat it next year. But, uh, you know, I, I agree. I think the Cardinals have nothing to lose by throwing some money at him before he goes out on the market. That said, I, I have to agree with what Tito said, that I, I do think he's going to pick up the money out there in the market. Uh, so I think that you wait to make him a closer. You keep him in his current role. See how that goes. If you're out of the race or if you need a closer, then you can slot him into into that position. And I, I think that the Cardinals have to see, as everybody has said, him continue to do what he's been doing this season. And then I think they take the gamble. I think you give him a two-year, maybe three-year max, but you do something like that. I mean, he is older. He's 31 years old right now, and that's old by baseball standards. Yeah, the Cardinals have definitely made a uh, a move to youth uh, of late, and that was definitely personified by some comments that John Mozalek recently made uh, with uh, MLB Radio Network. So I'm just going to go just one of the main quotes from here, and then we'll kind of go into – what we what we think is kind of meant by this. So, big picture, Lynn, Pham, and others certainly know what's coming. Players today are very aware of what your organization is doing and how they go about it. It was pretty well documented that our AAA team was 40-plus games over 500, and that wasn't just by luck. There's a lot of talent on that team, and players know that our development pipeline is very strong. This seems to be, to me, to be a little bit of a shot over the heads of some of the older guys, letting them know it's very obvious that there's some talent here. We've seen some of it. There's potentially more coming. 
so you need to be prepared for what's going to happen. I'm going to start with Tito. Uh, Tito, what would you say about Mosaic's comments? Kind of feisty, don't you guys think? I mean, uh, to me, it sounded it, – it may not be in response to what Sam and, and Lynn have expressed in the media, um, but in all reality – you know, Mozilla is just pretty much telling it how it is, and that's something that we kind of haven't really seen from him, or at least in my opinion, in the last couple of seasons. I mean, he's very coy about what, you know, what the Cardinals are doing. You know, Josh and I talked about it on the last epi- or last podcast episode. He, he is the master of the word. He doesn't like to tell, tell, you know, show his hand. So, you know, with him, by him saying, you know, we've got talent, and if you're not performing, you know, you're at risk of losing your job, that's okay with me. I mean, I think he said that in – pretty much said that in June when he got promoted to uh, president of baseball operations and, and Mike Gersh was uh, named general manager. He pretty much said it then. If you're not going to perform, you know, you're going to be out. And he, you can't argue with the trade of Mike Leake. He wasn't performing to the Cardinals' standard. Sure, his first nine, you know, his first uh, nine starts were all quality starts, and he looked like one of the best pitchers in the in the in the major leagues. But that's that's news of yesteryear. You know, this is this is a completely different uh, time. You know, the Cardinals needed him to be a better pitcher, and he didn't do it. So with Mosellock saying that, you know, that's you know what that's just how, that's just the business of baseball now. You either perform or you don't. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you uh, on Mosaic because, in my opinion, Mosaic is, to a certain extent, kind of a sunshine pumper. He's not really about talking about the bad news with with the uh, with fans or the media. He doesn't want to show that side, so he always has that ability to spin things because he is a very smart man and he uses his words very well. Um, Dr. Miles, what would you say about Mosaic's recent comments? You know, I love that you guys talk about him as the master of words um, because I've oftentimes referred to that as uh, politics speak. He's very, very good at that, as you have pointed out. I've also had the privilege since I'm in the media, according to Adam Wainwright, of being able to interview John Mozalek and I have to tell you that in, in talking to him, you really can get nothing out of him. You can't get any kind of a read. So I was left wondering and scratching my head when I read these comments, <clears throat> I really wonder if they weren't intended or directed for the players necessarily. But I also wondered if there was the double speak of the intention towards Matheny, that the AAA team has got Yes, the young talent, but they also have a young manager and a young manager who has led them to historic figures this season, breaking records for the franchise, going into the playoffs, winning the first game of the playoffs, really instilling hope and dreams and passion and, and all of that with players that we're not seeing at the major league level. So while he was explicit to the players, and I think that's kind of a given, I mean, I was sort of left also saying when he made the comments, well, well, duh. And I get it. He's never made comments like that before. 
but at the same time, that that's sort of a given, right? If, if you're a player and you're being paid over a million dollars, or heck, if you're being paid seven hundred thousand dollars, which I would take to sit on a bench, you know, if you if you're being paid that and you're not performing, certainly you're going to be replaced by a younger guy who can do it and will do it for less money. That being said, that's when I started thinking, well, maybe he this is a shot not not just over the bow of the players who he named. But maybe this is a direct shot in the politics speak that he's very skilled with at Mike Matheny and, and the coaching staff. That, that was certainly something I took away from it. You know, you know before we move on to Trevor, um, I will say that there's two points here. First, Adam Wainwright may say that you're media, but until you can get credentialed by the Cardinals, you're still just a blog. But uh, – Outside of taking it's shots true, but I'm, miles. I'm, no, I, <laughs> I am credentialed by the Memphis Redbirds. So does that count? Well, I, I'll give you that one, and uh, and we'll we'll just call that one away. <laughs> uh, but to your point about uh, Matheny, I think if you read between the lines, there your point makes a lot of sense. There is talent not only in the players but in the coaching staff in Memphis right now. And that's been very well documented. Stubby Clapp has a lot of backers, a lot of hype, and he has put together quite the season. So this could be Matheny getting a little bit of a warning shot. But, Trevor, what's your take on the situation? It's it's much like Dr. Miles when you just think, I mean, duh. Um, you look at – once a baseball player – graduates from high school they decide they want to play at the next level there are always three guys at least at the college level and then a whole organization of guys that are there who want a starting job with the big club with the big team so obviously some guys aren't ready that's why there's all the developmental leagues but you know the triple a team it's not a secret they weren't they weren't under the radar going 40 games above 500 so i think that the players obviously know that there's people behind them. That's, that's part of the competition within the team. Um, to me, this is more of a motivational quote than anything, saying, hey, start playing because there's guys right there. They, they've shown they can win. You guys are struggling this year. You know, um, throughout the season, they've called up the young guys. The young guys have, have been a spark plug all year, it seems like. So, I don't know. It's kind of just like a, a duh statement and then, the other point that Dr. Miles made makes a lot of sense because obviously Matheny does not have a huge um, amount of supporters, and I'll just leave it at that. I know there's a lot of feelings going on about him. But, uh, it again, it just seems like something that, that's fairly obvious that the players know, and it just seems like bringing it to the main attention says, hey, start playing, start performing because you're getting paid a lot of money to do this. They're not, but they, they can do it as well, if not better than you. There was another interesting comment made by Mosaic in that interview, and I want to get to that. But first, let's take a quick break, and then once we come back, we'll finish up on this topic talking about uh, Mosaic's recent interview with MLB Network Radio. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. All right, and thank you for staying with us. This is the official Redbird Rants podcast. Guys, we're talking about John Mosaic in the and an interview he recently did that a lot of interesting comments were made. We talked about the potential shot to the team and management 
But another comment that was made was interesting to me. He said that there, the St. Louis Cardinals already have six starting pitchers for five spots next year with the influx of youth, those being Carlos Martinez, Adam Wainwright, Carlos Mar- or not Carlos again, Alex Reyes, Luke Weaver, uh, Jack Flaherty, and Michael Waka. Clearly, this is a sign that Lance Lynn's time is essentially down to the next month, and then if it can make playoffs, however far it goes. But what do you guys make of this? Is this officially the time the Cardinals are finally taking some some youth and being ready to move on from Lance Lynn? I'm going to start with Dr. Miles on this. Oh, man, I, I tell you what, um, I, with the state of Adam Wainwright, and I, I, I hope he listens to this podcast and he calls me out on Twitter again. <laughs> um, you know, with the state of Adam Wainwright, I, I don't think you can move on from Lynn, even if you are going with a younger cadre of pitchers. I, I think that those guys have the right to come up and absolutely should, and I'm, I'm glad to see them doing so. I'm glad to see them doing well. However, I don't know that the sample size of this limited amount at the end of a season is enough to justify them being up. In, uh, case in point, last season when Weaver came up and was very good and very strong, and don't get me wrong, he's very good and very strong now, but when he came up at the end of last season, he was lights out, and everybody said Weaver's the future, and I, I agree with that. But then Weaver came up at the beginning of this season, and now that there was – and actually – there towards the very end of last season, we started to see this. Once there was enough video of him, other teams were able to produce hits, produce runs, et cetera. And so Weaver went back and, and had, much of, had some more time down in AAA, which, by the way, is where the PCL manager of the year sits, who could have been the manager of the year in the MLB. But, you know, let's leave it at that. And he goes down to Memphis, learns, learns the thing or two, comes up, and is, is great. So seeing these young guys now, yes, they're great. Flaherty's great. But once there's enough video of him, I think there's going to be a regression to the mean, which then they, those players have to figure out how to defeat the mean. So I don't know that that's enough of a reason to move on from Lance Lynn. I think you give him your best offer, and if that's not good enough, then let him walk. I don't know if that's a qualifying offer that you give, but I, I think that you have to hold on to Lynn because you need something to really help solidify the top of that rotation. And you're going to have Martinez back. So, you know, I mean, he, he's your ace. And then you've got a Lynn in the two spot. That's, that's a pretty decent one and two. And in fact, I'd almost say that's a great one and two. And then the rest of it sort of where you get to decide how it's going to work out. Um, but I, I think that Adam Wainwright really does force your hand into keeping Lynn on the table. Trevor, what do you make of the recent comments and the state of the pitching staff today and going forward in the next year? I don't disagree that I think that Lynn could be an important part to the, uh, to the pitching staff. Um, I'm a huge believer that young guys are great, but, you also need a veteran presence like that. And Carlos Martinez is, is pretty young himself. I think Lynn can provide more of what you're looking for in that aspect. But my biggest uh, qualm, if you will, with the comments, and I'm sure that you guys can see this coming because you know me, what about Dakota Hudson? I mean, 
you know, I, we all know I'm a huge fan of Dakota, but uh, I, I he didn't have the best year in AAA at least, but he's been flying through the minor league system, maybe not necessarily the start of the year, so that kind of goes into the comments. But I think by the end of next year, he could be uh, ready to see some time in the major leagues, which throws another wrench in there. But since he and, wasn't and hey, mentioned, Trevor, he's starting just, tonight in game two of the postseason yeah. for the Redbirds. He was the starter right. tonight. Yeah, so there you go. But I'll leave I'll leave it at that as far as Dakota Hudson goes. I just wanted to get his name out there because we know that uh, he's, he's my favorite pitching prospect. Um, but going forward, I really do think that Lance Lynn is, is going to be a key there. Um, you can rely on the young guys if you want, but once they've been seen, they've been seen. And uh, it takes a little bit to get used to that, to have it come around and be, be successful uh, in a game-by-game basis, even though people know it's coming at you. So it's going to be hard to see Lance Lynn go if he does, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with such a young pitching staff at that, uh, in that case. You know, I agree uh, a lot with what you guys were saying about the pitching staff, especially with the Wainwright stuff. But another thing that really sticks out to me is Alex Reyes coming back. How much of an expectation can they put on him coming off of Tommy John? Given he got to have it early, he had it during spring training, so he'll have a full year to recover, but he's going to be on an innings limit. Combine that with the use of Jack Flaherty and Luke Weaver, and then the aging of Adam Wainwright, there's there's questions there, and I completely agree. Lance Lynn probably needs to be involved, especially after the money they cleared away from Mike Leak. But to your point about Dakota Hudson, I don't know what it is, but I'm not sure he's on this team next year. I think he might be involved in a deal. But that's just me. Tito, what do you think? Well, to answer, you know, the main question of what do I think about Moselec's comments, I'll be honest, I'm not surprised. And I honestly don't think any St. Louis Cardinal fan should be surprised. I mean, if you guys uh, can remember a couple weeks ago or so, I wrote a, an article about Mike Gersh sending some mixed signals about the 2018 roster. And in those, in that article, Gersh you know, was quoted as saying, we will be losing Lance Lynn this offseason. So for Moselock to name those, you know, six starters for five rotations or five-man rotation and to exclude Lance Lynn, it's not surprising to me. Do I hate it? Absolutely, for much of the same reasons you guys have been talking about. We need a veteran starter outside of Carlos Martinez and Adam Wainwright. And as much as it pains me to say it, but Adam Wainwright just isn't the same guy anymore, and I think – He might be in a tiny bit of denial, but we still need somebody that is a veteran arm that we know is a proven commodity, not a prospect where the unknown is still relatively untested. So when you put, when you put Moselock's words up against, you know, what Mike Gersh said, yeah, it makes complete sense that he would say something like that. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised in any bit whatsoever. However, like I said, I am very, very disappointed in this because of what happened at the trade deadline. If the Cardinals were not going to sign him again, the least that they can do now at this point is offer him a qualifying offer. But why would you not have traded him? 
you didn't know that you were going to uh, you were going to be this close into the postseason. Nobody knew that at that point. The Cardinals were so lost; we didn't even think we weren't even expecting this. So why not trade him for something? And and that's why that's what prompted me to write you know my three part series on Lance Lynn, where I basically ended up saying you know the Cardinals are going to try and offer him something, but it's not going to be enough. I mean, you're talking about a three, possibly four-year deal for $100 million, and that's money that the Cardinals could use somewhere else, and I think they understand that now. Well, Tito, you gave us the perfect segue to move into the next topic. We spent a lot of time talking about Mo's, Mo's comments, but let's move into the actual play on the field. The Cardinals' road trip is uh, getting ready to come to an end, and They've been playing well. They have found themselves just three games back of the wild card and four games back of the central. Now, to me, one of those is a little bit more obtainable. But, you know, let's let's just open it up now. Let's start with Tito here because I feel like I've been picking on him, making him go last a lot. Uh, <laughs> Tito, as you know, as our junior editor over at Redbird Rants, what do you think about the uh, – the, the Cardinals' playoff chances in their recent play. Well, in my junior editor, you know, knowledge, I still think the Cardinals have a decent shot at the playoffs. You know, I wrote a piece earlier today kind of doing a playoff update, and the one thing that sticks out to me is the next 22 games after tonight. They're all against division opponents, and the Cardinals are 23-21 and 21 against division opponents. So, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's gonna be a, a tough race at the end of the day. They have to do better. They have to play better. And, you know, this road trip, while, you know, albeit against, you know, lesser teams, that's probably what they need to build some confidence going into these – uh, next couple of weeks to get to the postseason. The Brewers still have to play the Cubs this weekend. The Cubs still have to play the Brewers and a couple other teams that are, you know, going to be tough for them, including the Tampa Bay Rays and even the Cardinals for that matter, you know, for seven games. So there's a lot of opportunity for the Cardinals to make, you know, a big push here, but they have to take care of business first. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, you know, I I agree with you. There there seems to be a, a bit of more of a drive right now with the team. I uh, I don't know how confident I feel after tonight. Just considering who they're facing, and you mentioned it, they've got some very very poor numbers against teams in the division, and that's where they're closing the season out at. But let's go over to to Trevor. Trevor, what do you think? Being that you have insight into both the Cardinals and the Brewers? Um, I Well, right now, you look at the Cardinals and the Brewers, and you have one team sitting on top of both of them, and that's the Cubs. Um, right now, Cardinals are, what, four games back? Brewers are four and a half games back. They're both right there. Um, the Brewers pitching going into the weekend is very much in line based on who's been starting, so they've gotten some pitchers back. They've gotten some performances, and so they're set to um, at least go into the weekend very strong, which is is something. But as far as the Cardinals, I'm looking at who they played and who, you know, who they who they faced hitting wise because they've obviously been winning. And you, 
you played the the Cubs or the, the Padres. I'm sorry, and you faced pitchers like Dinelson Lamette, Travis Wood, and uh, Luis Perdomo. So obviously, it's good to beat these teams, but when it comes down to it, you're going to have to see if they can keep it up when they play. You know, a little bit higher higher level of, of teams. I also I think beat the uh, the Giants a couple times on the on the road stand. So. There's definitely a push that can be there. They just need to build off the momentum of playing, uh, you know, lower-level teams and lower-level pitching arms uh, in order to just make the playoffs. And once the playoffs happen, any, I mean, if they're in, it's a new season. And year after year, the Cardinals have proven that the postseason is, is their season, really. So it all is going to come down to them if they can make the playoffs, if they can build on some of this momentum. Um, the Brewers might give a little bit of a, of a race towards the end, but both of those teams have to focus on closing that four-game gap right now. Yeah, you, you make a very valid point. I mean, the, the Cardinals are doing what they have to do right now, and that's beat bad teams. The pitching that we've seen over this four-game series is essentially a triple-A staff, and that's putting it fairly nicely. And it's, you can't say that they, they didn't struggle because last night they were made very foolish until late in that game. So, Dr. Miles, what do you make of all of this right now? Of, um, you know, what we're seeing is, is something very interesting because we are seeing a triple-A team play triple-A pitching. And I say that in, in a very respectful way because certainly the players – who are performing for us from the AAA team have had a great season thus far. We're also seeing a couple of guys sort of come into their own. We're seeing uh, Jose Martinez have some really uh, great, great uh, appearances. We're seeing even the likes of Steven Piscotti, and, and that sort of hurts me to say because I've really soured on Piscotti of late. Uh, but we're seeing him. I think that in the last couple of games, he's batting, what, 314, something like that. And and that's outstanding. That's great. Can it last? You know, I want to say yes, but this team makes me want to say no. <laughs> and I, I think, in all honesty, guys, I, I think we see them fizzle. And I, I don't see them going to the postseason at all, which is why I'm okay with the Nicasio pickup because I think that they're going to be able to make some decisions with him that are going to help lead into 2018. I think that the not making the playoffs makes a lot better sense to me than making the playoffs with this team, just because I would like to see what decisions they will make and what experiments they would try. I think there's more interest in that than going to the playoffs as a wild card and losing that wild card game or being swept uh, straight games in the in the divisional series if if you make it to that that point. So I mean I, I hate to be the Debbie Downer, but I just I don't see them making it. I, I see a, a repeat of what we saw last year where we get our hopes up, and we may even do come down to that last game, and our hopes have to ride on somebody else losing, and lo and behold they don't. You know. Now before I turn this back to Tito, because after what you just said, I know that our junior editor is going to have some comments because we've had this discussion, a similar one in a previous podcast, and Tito, Tito has some comments. But I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. Um, this team has 
been very good at getting the, the fans' hopes up. After they went on that tear and won eight games in a row, they fell back to mediocrity. So it would not surprise me in the slightest if after this road trip they win tonight, finish a sweep of the Padres, and then they come out and they just fall flat. That wouldn't shock me. Tito, I'm going to pass this over to you, and hopefully you have some comments ready. What's what's the question then? <laughs> I, I just want you to focus on Dr. Miles' comments about this this team being better off not making the playoffs. Oh, well, <laughs> I guess you can tell by my reaction. I think that's just a bunch of crap. But I, here's the thing: if you if if you honestly think that not making the postseason is good for this team then that's definitely something we're going to disagree on because I personally think the goal of any Major League Baseball team is to make the postseason. Eventually, you know, you set your sights a little higher to get to the World Series. Do you think it matters if they lose in the wild card game or in the divisional round? No. The The, the point is, is that you have an opportunity to play further than any, you know, all the other teams that don't make it. Now, if the Cardinals have the opportunity to get to to the wild card, then they need to do so. They need to be able to play and, and do well. I mean, that's just how it is. You have to understand that there is no better experience than postseason experience, in my opinion, and that could go a long way for the teams of 2018, 19, and 2020 when all these guys are either, you know, regular starters or, you know, studs at that point. They need some kind of experience. And, yeah, you could say, well, why not just give them the experience and, you know, at the minor league level, look, it's not the same, and we all know that. So I don't believe that the Cardinals not making the playoffs is a good thing. If And if in all honesty, I guarantee you, you'll find more people upset about not making the playoffs than, uh, than than you would probably think. All right, Trevor, do you have uh, any comments to add to that? Yeah, I'm with Tito. Um, this isn't – this is Major League Baseball. It's not like the Philadelphia 76ers where you're trusting the process. You don't make the playoffs. You get the team. The young guys are already there. The young guys are on the roster, um, some of the main young guys that we're going to see moving forward, and that, that kind of playoff experience I think is is necessary. And just making the playoffs is, is a huge thing. Um, this is a very, you hate to say it, but it's also a good spoiled fan base that's used to postseason play in some regard, um, which, is, which is great because we all love the Cardinals. But getting back there I think is really important. Um, and I think that it would make the frustration from the season a lot better, honestly. So I'm with Tito that the young guys need that postseason experience because there's no, there's no substitute for that. And these guys – and uh, think about Mozilla's comments too where he said the young guys are there. So it's, it's very – I think it's important that they at least try to make this last push to hopefully get into the postseason. And one, one little thing that I want to throw out there as well is – you have some, I mean, we all know this, but you play to win. You don't play to sit in the, in the off season 
And I granted that, you know, sometimes they don't really have control over that. But they're playing the game. They need to go out there and expect to win every single day. It doesn't matter who's on the mound. It doesn't matter who's up to bat. It could be Greg Garcia because we just saw him strike out. That's a shot at you, Dr. Miles. But people I know it's a low blow, man, low blow. You're welcome. Those players have to understand that this is the time to win. You have to make that push. You know, we all we see we see the stats all the time. Mike Matheny has, you know, somehow has the best record in September. Well, you know, that's for a reason because these because the guys are close enough to the postseason that they're making that push. No reason to stop right now. Now, before I send it back to Dr. Miles for a quick wrap-up, I do want to say that I agree with Trevor and Tito, but I understand where Dr. Miles is coming from. The losing and not making the playoffs this year could lead to a lot this offseason, but in my opinion, they're going to make changes regardless. So, Dr. Miles, where would, where would you like to wrap this up? Well, I, I think the I think the big issue is, and I certainly took a bit of umbrage to this in the last time when you guys had Christian on, and Christian had made the similar statement to what I had just said, and Tito told him he would find him and slap him if he ever made that statement again. So I was really, in, in essence, right now channeling for Christian against Tito, but but. Um, I'm not suggesting that the Cardinals shoot the moon or aim to lose. I, I'm suggesting they absolutely fight to win and to go to the postseason. If they don't, I don't think all is lost is what I'm getting at. I think there's some great benefit to them not, not making it. Um, I will, until I'm blue in the face, argue that I think there's greater benefit to them not making it this season with the makeup and the decisions they have to make as opposed to making it, because I think what we have seen historically from this organization is if they make it, they get, um, you know, then, then Mosaic and, and Matheny and others say, Hey, we were okay. Yeah. Some of those decisions were sort of boneheaded, but Hey, when push came to shove, we still, we still won. We still went to postseason. And I think that, that we've seen that happen over and over again. And that's what I think they have to shy away from now. Let me say this too, Josh, because I want to respond to something you said about even if they make the playoffs that their changes are going to be made. I really, really, really want to believe that, but I really, really, really don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I wrote a slideshow piece about three candidates to replace Matheny, and I called it great but unlikely candidates to replace him because I want him replaced. I'm, I'm really scared, you guys, that the organization's not going to do it. And in the same vein, I'm kind of frightened that they're not going to make other decisions that they probably should. You know, I, I, I think to your point and my point earlier, um, I think changes will be made, but I do believe that, to your point, bigger changes, as in more managerial, would be made if uh, – if they miss, I think that this team has recognized the weakness and I have full expectation that they go out and get a bat this off season, uh, which would be more along the, my change route than your changes. 
Um, but I think that is a part of the plan this offseason, regardless of playoffs or not, because I think it's something they recognize as a necessity. So let's move on. Uh, we've talked about a lot of good stuff so far. Uh, I'm going to kind of slide out of the host role real quick just for the next 30 minutes or so so we can get into this roundtable format. Um, just We're going to talk about anything and everything. Let's. Uh, I'm just going to slide it over to Tito. Tito, give me a topic and let's get talking. Sure. Uh, I honestly, I would like to talk about uh, Jack Flaherty a little bit, and I want to pose this question to you guys. You know, if he continues to pitch well, what is the leash on Adam Wainwright, and, you know, what does that mean for Jack Flaherty? Anybody, anybody you know, can chime in on it. I'll, I'll hop in right now. Um, as a, a real concern for me is that we may have seen Jack Flaherty's last start for this year. Uh, realistically, unless something happens to somebody, I feel like he's going to get relegated to the bullpen, and he might disappear a little bit because they have 37,000 people in the bullpen right now, which is unfortunate because I think that they're really stunting his ability to grow right now. He showed real improvements between games one and two. Um, I would hope to continue to see improvements between games two and three, but with Wainwright coming back and slated to pitch on Tuesday, if unless something happens, I don't see them going to a six-man rotation, nor do I see him taking a spot from somebody. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree. I, I think we've seen the last of Jack Flaherty as well because of Adam Wainwright's impending return. But I'll be honest, if Adam Wainwright doesn't look good, there should be no reason for Jack Flaherty not to be in the bullpen warming up and getting ready to go out there. I, I personally think the Cardinals will go, will let Adam go around three to four innings If he looks good, they'll keep him in. But if they think that he can't go further than four innings, I think Jack Flaherty gets up and pitches the fifth, sixth, and possibly seventh inning of that game. Trevor, what do you think? Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm just looking at straight stats because I haven't had the chance to watch him pitch. Um, Okay, that's fair. But looking at the stats, I mean – his last start, he walked four. He uh, he struck out four, but he gave up less runs. Um, he had like a 360 batting average on balls in play over the course of the two starts, a 178 whip. I'm okay with him in the bullpen taking that role once Wainwright comes back just because Wainwright has more experience in the starter role. Then again, if you don't see the playoff chances, I'd rather see clarity. Um so he can grow, but as of right now, the stats look like I would definitely prefer him to see a little bit of time out of the bullpen, at least at the major league level, so he can um, kind of grow a little bit because he might be pitching well, but the stats aren't really reflecting it. And again, that's just looking at stats, not seeing him actually throw. Right, and and I and I watched both of his starts, and you know. What stands out to me is that he's still a young kid and he's gone through a lot of different levels as we've kind of touched on, you know, earlier. 
to uh, tonight, and you know he's facing better. You know he's facing better uh, hitters, and so naturally there's going to be some some growing pain there. So I, I don't know. I mean, Doctor Miles, what do you think? Well, I think that it's an interesting question, and I think that if Dave Duncan were on the staff, I think the answer would be different. I think in the current state, I think Wainwright comes back and they leave him out there until they think his his arm's going to fall off. And I think that means that Flaherty is relegated to the bullpen, which I think is a fine move. But I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Matheny to pull Wainwright early enough from starts when he's really faltering. Uh, I agree with Trevor. I think if you're out of the race, I think that Wainwright – he may get a couple starts here or there, but they're going to try to make him survive until next season. Um, you know, I, I have not agreed with that, uh, much to Wainwright's chagrin that he made very vocal on both Twitter and on Fox Sports Midwest. And thank you, Adam Wainwright, for that, for both of those things. Um, and so I, I really see when Wainwright comes back that Flaherty has to move to the, to the pen um, but I think that I wish they would put a very short leash. And I mean, look, if Wainwright's at 30 pitches after the first inning, I think that you've got to have Flaherty up. And I know that seems kind of steep, really, in terms of how quickly you would put a hook on him. But I think you've got to be realistic here and, and, and recognize that Wainwright's been suffering through some injuries and Wainwright hadn't been the Wainwright of old. And I think you've got to be ready for that. So I'll, um, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna change uh, course a little bit. Um, from the people we've seen, we've seen a lot of Memphis Redbirds uh, over the last couple weeks, especially the last couple days. So, can each one of you pick who you think you have been most impressed with since we've seen the call up uh, uh, and guys getting brought up from Memphis? Um, Trevor, what what do you think? I'm going to have to say Harrison Bader. I know that there was a huge amount of, of hype on him coming in, and, you know, he's he's outfielder of the future, everything like that. Honestly, I didn't I didn't think it would be this fast. I didn't, I didn't see it all that much. So he's come in, um, and he's played very well, I think. Uh, so to me, he's he's been somewhat of a surprise through – 12 games, he's hitting 310, has three home runs and and uh, driven eight runs in. So I think that he's been a lot, a lot more than I thought. Although he has struck out 15 times in the 12 games, so there is that learning curve again that you see with young guys. But I'm definitely going to have to go with Harrison Bader. Keto, what do you think? This one's a tough one because I really like Harrison Bader. Um, but I think the most impressive at this point is Luke Weaver. What he's been able to do in his, you know, last couple starts has been nothing short of amazing. Um, he looks like a different pitcher than last year. I mean, you know, you could tell last year that he was a rookie. You know, now over these last couple starts – you wouldn't say that anymore. And I think he's really shown maturity and has developed well. 
and maybe the extra time in Memphis was exactly what he needed this year, and and the Cardinals are now, you know, you know, bearing the fruits of that labor, and you know that's again that essentially falls on you know why uh, Mike Leak was traded. And that's that's essentially how I see that. You know, they see that Luke Weaver is going to be a better pitcher than uh, Mike Leak. So, I mean, he's just he's just been that impressive and and that good, in my opinion. All right, uh, Dr. Miles. Before I slide it over to you, I just we went a little bit. Uh, I probably should have taken a break before we started this topic, but I'm going to take one right now. Uh, so make sure you have a very good answer ready for me because you're getting some extra time. So we will be right back. Stay with us for the uh, final part of the Red Red Rants podcast. All right. Welcome back to the official Red Red Rants podcast. Dr. Miles, I left you in a bit of a lurch right there. Uh, I already got Tito and I already got Trevor. Who do you think? is the most impressive call-up so far this year. Well, as the senior editor at um, Redbird Rants, uh, bolstered by my junior editor, Tito, I have to say that okay. I, if anyone's going to be what, – what's that? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So if anyone was going to be shorted something, I, I am fine with you taking a break before me. Uh, let me say that I think the biggest impact player out of Memphis this season uh, has been Paul Dion. And I realized that we saw him some last season, but he, you know, for whatever we want to say, the man's come up and taken the, the three spot. And is he a prototypical three hitter? No. Has he provided some pop? Yes. Is it consistent? No. Um, but he, he plays a great shortstop. I mean, he made it to where they could send Aledmiz Diaz down, who, by the way, Aledmiz is playing second base in the playoffs. Very interesting to see that, especially with the um, injury to Colton Wong. So there's, you know, so much intrigue that Paul DeYoung has brought to us. I don't disagree with Trevor or with Tito. I think those guys are great, too. I think that Harrison Bader has been really good of late. You know, when he first came up, it was kind of rocky. But of late, he's been very good, especially in terms of providing pop. Um, I think that Luke Weaver is incredible, and I am so glad that he has uh, you know, flowered into this great starting pitcher, and I agree with Tito entirely. He is the reason that Mike Leake was allowed to move elsewhere in exchange for a bag of peanuts and a box of Cracker Jacks. You know, so I, I really, though, all those names aside, even pushing the Luke Voigt aside, who Luke Voigt was great when he first came up and sort of quieted of late, I think Paul DeYoung's the way to go. I mean, the guy is, is pretty stellar. But I'm going to also tell you guys, keep, those, keep the two most recent call-ups on your radar. Keep Bravik Valera and Alex Mejia on your radar. These guys are, are going to be great. They were wonderful for Memphis. And I think that they are spelling um, some of the scrappy players uh, of the future. And, you know, I like a scrappy player. I mean, honestly, Alex Mejia could very well be the Greg Garcia of 2018. Mark my words. High praise, Dr. Miles. Um, I, 
I think that it's pretty obvious. The names have been mentioned, and it's kind of hard for me to pick between Luke Weaver and Paul DeYoung because of they've both been very, very good, but I'm going to lean to DeYoung just because of the length of his time here. And he may not be the shortstop of the future, but he has a role on the team. Whether or not he can stay at shortstop defensively, we're not sure. Hopefully he can because unless Elias Diaz suddenly learns how to be able to go to his right and his left, there's going to be a big gap there. DeYoung has been very serviceable, if not very good, so far at shortstop. He has the occasional errant play, but overall he's very solid there, and the bat's unquestionable. It's it's great. I really don't want it to be our three-hole hitter, but I've made that point countless times. Um, but I he's he's a great he's a great player, and he's got to be the choice for me. I really think that if he had been called up earlier, we're talking about NL Rookie of the Year talk because Cody Bellinger got a head start on him and really was never going to look back. So there's a lot of youth on this team, and I'm excited about a lot of it because you can't overlook Bader. You can't overlook Max, who unfortunately didn't get to come up because somebody had to stay in Memphis so that he had to – make a trip over from Springfield because they needed players for the playoffs. And unfortunately he just didn't get the call, but he's part of the future too. There's, there's a lot to be excited about. So I want to toss it over to the Dr. Miles. Do you have a topic for us, sir? I do have a topic for us, but before we get to that, I want to say this about, about Mags not getting the call up. Um, part of me feels like his promotion to AAA was also to protect his value. I, I'm, I think that the team saw that if they called him to the majors, he would be really exposed to other teams. And I think that they very much do value him as the future of 2018, 2019. And if they brought him up now, other teams would get to see him, get to see some of his weaknesses before the organizations had a chance to really flesh them out through the minors. So I think that that played into that as well. And that leads directly to my question. And my question is this to you guys. The Cardinals have a a locked and loaded outfield full of names, a cornucopia of names, if you will. And we actually saw some comments recently from Mosaic that the overloaded outfield is going to lead to some excitement in the offseason. So my question to you is, what names in the outfield should or will – and those could be the same answers, but which of those names currently in the St. Louis Cardinals organization in the outfield, which of those are, are going to be shocked? Which of those will not be with the Cardinals beyond 2017? Let's start with, uh, with Josh, start with you. This one's a tough one because it's hard to, it's hard to say which way they can go because it's really there's a lot of questions there. They've shopped Piscotty. They're getting a career year out of Fam. They're getting an incredible year out of Martinez. But there's more exciting guys that are below there. Harrison Bader and Magnaris Sierra are both incredibly talented guys who bring something this team really doesn't have, which is 
lightning fast speed. I don't know that we'll see those two go. I could understand them trading Mags because I think Harrison Bader has kind of cemented his place in St. Louis a little bit. Not Maybe not as a starter right away, but he's made it known that he has the talent that we've always heard about. And the only reason he wasn't up earlier in the year and Mags was was because of the 40-man. So potentially we may never have seen Mags if Harrison Bader was on the 40-man. For me, I think that what makes the most sense is moving to Scotty. They already shopped into the athletics. You can get him over to the West Coast if a team over there is interested. He's making the most money of a tradable player because Dexter Fowler is not a tradable player. While his contract is friendly, still making more money than any of those other guys we're looking at. I think Jose Martinez has completely earned a spot on this team. But then there's one guy. And, man, do I like this guy. And we all know it. And it's scary for me to think that he might not be on the team next year. But it's really it's really a possibility. And I hope for his sake that if he does not end up on the St. Louis Cardinals next year, he goes somewhere and thrives. So at least I have that. And I can hold that over all of the people that hated on him in St. Louis, especially Tito, because Tito is just not a nice person, especially when it comes to Randall Grichuk. He is a he's a really nice guy, Tito. You don't have to be so mean to him. Um, but to me, Randall Grichuk and Stephen Piscotty make the most sense to move on. Okay, well, let's turn to Tito and get his response to that. I... This is this is a tough question. There's no denying that. I mean, you're talking about shopping the future of the Cardinals or even as Josh, you know, just got done saying the present of the St. Louis Cardinals. And you know, with a plethora of outfield three prospects, you have to think that something is going to happen. You know, as Josh mentioned, mentioned Stephen Piscotty's name's already been in trade talks. Tommy Pham's name was in trade talks. Randall Gritchick's name was in trade talks. Those are guys that are all on the current roster right now. Um, and I'm not saying that others have been uh, shopped, you know, like Harrison Bader, maybe even Sierra. Um or may, and you know it's possibly that Oscar Mercado, who's in as a top thirty prospect for the Cardinals, was even shopped around too. So you know, interestingly enough, I still think the person, the most likely outfielder the Cardinals have right now to to be shopped and moved is still Tyler O'Neill. I think that he is is a is a dark horse candidate to be traded that a lot of people are kind of writing off because maybe he hasn't performed as well as you think. But I still think that he's going to be a part of a bigger package for a major league team and a, a potential three hitter, and that might be the the Miami Marlins for John Carlos Stanton. But if I had to guess that, I I, I would say that Tyler O'Neill is the one that 
is probably going to be dealt out of all of those players because I truly don't think the Cardinals want to get rid of Sierra. I mean, look what he was able to do in, you know, his short stint with the St. Louis Cardinals, and you know he can play, and he can and he can move in the outfield. He's probably as good a defensive center fielder the Cardinals have had in a really long time. Um, so that would be really great to see someday in St. Louis. And just given what Harrison Bader has done, I'm sorry, Josh, but I'm more confident in Harrison Bader's ability than Randall Gritchick. And that's just the truth. Um, and as far as Stephen Piscotty goes, you know, there was somebody that tweeted out earlier, you know, earlier this week, you know, is it safe to call Stephen, Stephen Piscotty's contract a bust? The guy isn't even making that much money, so I'm not, I'm not sure where that's coming from. But in terms of, you know, what has happened to him this season, I think we can give him more of a break than we can Randall Gritchick. So, I would say Tyler O'Neill's first, and then if not, Randall Gritchick is a close second. You had me very nervous there because I thought for sure you weren't going to say uh, Randall Gritchick, and I would have been very disappointed with you. (laughs) He's going to get moved. I I, I just don't think the Cardinals have the confidence in him. I think the Cardinals have seen enough and are the only reason he's on the team, you know, he's on the major league roster is because, you know, they know he's not going to really do much any do much any good in Memphis at this point. So you might as well keep getting in major league at bats. Keep giving giving uh, teams to see it. Give him, give teams a chance to see him hit. You know, and they're probably not going to like what they see in, to begin with. But somebody somebody will take a flyer on him. Somebody will have to do it. And otherwise, the Cardinals are wasting their time with him. And before we go to Trevor for your thoughts on this, and I, I'm not going back to Josh because we know how he feels about Randall Gritchick, but just as a quick question to you, Tito, you could answer for the group. You know, anytime someone talks about Randall Gritchick, they talk about how he was drafted ahead of Mike Trout. Do you think that Mike Trout gets a big kick out of that when people talk about that today? No, because he's the best player in the planet. Why would he care? <laughs> Why would he care? Oh, I mean, I mean, does I he get, think... does he laugh at it? Does he giggle at it because mm-hmm. no. it, it's so I, I ludicrous? Think, I, I don't, I don't think he does because you know you de- you never know what a prospect can bring. Mike Trout is, you know, like I said, the best player on the planet right now, and you know, had Gritchick found out, you know, found his swing. Who knows what he could have been? Maybe he he was going to be better than Mike Trout. So you know, if 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 there was anybody getting a kick out of it, I'm sure, you know, it, it really is Randall Gritchick, the one that's getting the laugh because that's the that's what they say about him is that he was drafted before Mike Trout, so he should be he should be better than him. But you know, we obviously know that that's not the case. I mean, I think the one who gets the biggest kick out of that has to be Josh's mom. Um, Treasure, Trevor, what, what do you th- who do you think is the outfielder who's on his way out? Well, I, <laughs> there's not many points I can make that, that haven't already been made because I've been slowly crossing things off the list as the other people have been talking. Um, the one thing I was glad that Tito mentioned was Tyler O'Neill. Um, looking at his numbers throughout the minors with – 
uh, Seattle's minor league system and, and Memphis for 37 games. He doesn't he, – I mean, he's a power hitter, right? He hit 31 home runs in 2017 with a 246 average. So he's not – you know, he had seasons where he's hit 293, but he only had 24 home runs, so that's kind of a pick either way. But he's got a little bit of speed, too. He hits triple steal some bases. Um, I think the fact that he's just hanging out in AAA, you, there was a little bit of time where he probably could have been – uh, seen because I think that trade happened before the you know before the deadline obviously and and so I think he'd be on the move. He, he's a very intriguing prospect. He's going to bring a lot of pop with his bat. Um, I think that the fact that he's hitting two uh, what is it, what did I just say two sixty seven triple A this year or two forty eight in triple A this year. I'm sorry. Shows that he's got a little bit of, of progressing to do. You'd like to see that a little higher before you let him try major league pitching, but. I, I think that he's going to be in some sort of package deal to um, to another team to bring in somebody else. I would think the Marlins. I've I've been saying since the trade deadline that uh, the Cardinals stayed stayed uh, stood pat because the Marlins didn't want to move anybody till the off season. So I see him going more than anybody else. I know there's talks already about other players, and I don't think he'll be the only one. But I think that he might be the first one. Okay, I think it's only fair that we go back to Josh so he can talk about his mother's appreciation for oh, Randall Gritchick, and, and, and then we'll let Josh take over again. Josh? My mom loves what I love because she loves me. Love you, Mom. <laughs> All right. At this point, we're going to take our last break, and when we come back, we're going to go into some questions from our readers. So stick with us for the last 15 minutes of the official Redbird Rants podcast. All right. Official Redbird Rants podcast. Now, with the last 15 minutes or so, I'm going to slide host duties over to junior editor Tito Rivera, who has some Facebook questions from uh, some of our readers. So, Tito... Go ahead and take over. What do, what do the readers want to know? Sure. Thanks, Josh. Um, as junior editor, it is my honor to bring up these questions. And I'll start with one of the first ones that we have. And um, and this is from Zach and Liz House. So thank you so much for submitting your question to our Facebook page. And the question is, is why was Carson Kelly – catching the other day and I think you know I think this is a very can be a simple answer but can be complex as well Um, so Trevor I'm actually going to start with you Um, why you know this whole idea of Carson Kelly you know being Molina's backup this season you know has brought some debate towards you know, our area in podcast segments. So, so what do you make of Carson Kelly's situation? Well, all year it's kind of been um, debated because he was, he was killing it in AAA all year. It's been debated. What do we do with him? What, what's supposed to happen with him? Uh, he's the top catching prospect in all of baseball. So, you know, you're, you're, you're wondering where he is. Well, I think, well, you know, I've said it over and over again. I think him getting at bats in AAA was the smart move. Why is he catching now? Well, I mean, 
Yadier Molina is not getting any younger, and he's the obvious replacement. I think it is that simple of an answer. Um, so you see Yadier, you know, playing all these games in a row. He's still the main starter. Um, he, he's going to need a break every now and then. Catcher's knees get old. Catcher's age at a different pace than everybody else. Um, so, you know, you keep talking about the age of Yadier Molina. He's, what, he's 35, which is old for any player. It's even older for a catcher. So uh, that's I, that's the simple answer, and that's Trevor's answer of why Carson Kelly's catching. I mean, why he's up, why he's the backup role, because he needs that major league experience more than just hitting the crap out of the ball in AAA. Yeah, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna save my comments a little later, so I'm gonna go ahead and toss it to Dr. Miles. Dr. Miles, what do you make of the the Carson Kelly situation? You know, it's interesting because I, I do think you can easily say that Yadier needed the night off. Um, my sort of tongue in cheek answer to the question is because Mozeliak said he needed to, and I mean that you know both funny and not because I, I think that. If it were up to Matheny, I don't. I don't think he'd play him, and I think that's very short-sighted and myopic. And I think that it's foolish. And I have a feeling that Kelly got the start and played the other day because Matheny was told, "Look, you've got to play him. We, we brought him up so that he would get some experience, and you got you you need to play him." He doesn't have to play all the time, and he may upset Yachty when he is played, but. He has to play. Get him out there from time to time. And I think that's why he went out there. Um, I don't remember who, who was the pitcher that he that they faced that day. Who, who did he play against? That's a really good question. I believe it was last, or was it just this last uh, Tuesday? Yeah, I'm just wondering if it was also if it was the decision was aided by the fact that Yachty doesn't have the best of numbers against against that guy, or maybe Yachty has really great numbers, and so it was a situation where they didn't feel it was necessary for him to see that pitcher again. You know, one of those things. But really, my answer right. to your question is, I think because I think because Mosaic said it had to happen, and that's that's definitely fair. I mean. I think, personally, I think regardless of who it actually was, uh, who the pitcher was, I don't think it would have mattered if Yachty played or not. But, uh, Josh, let's get your thoughts on this. Carson Kelly ordeal, you know, it's you and I have talked about this a couple times through text messages and, and other podcasts. What are you making of this entire situation? Well, first, to the listeners' question. Carson Kelly got the start because, as has been said, Yadier Molina is not a young man. He needs days off, and he needs to get more days off. I don't think it's asking too much that, especially this late in the year, that Carson Kelly sees one or two games a week, especially because you started his clock. He's supposed to be the catcher of the future. Get him some time behind the plate. I Hey, don't start him when Carlos Martinez is starting, but how about when Luke Weaver or Jack Flaherty or Michael Waka are starting? Because Carson Kelly needs these reps, and I don't think it's asking too much to get him those these reps. There was actually a day, and this is just the, the kind of 
selfish side of me, but on Tuesday was actually a Yachty catch day. Wednesday was when Kelly caught. I so desperately wanted to see Carson Kelly catch on Tuesday because the lineup was Bader, Grichuk, DeYoung, Jose Martinez, then Yachty, Piscotti, Valera, and Mejia. I thought that Carson Kelly in there and having a full roster of guys who have spent time in Memphis this year would have been hilarious and just super cool to see. But, of course, we didn't see that. It's time for this team to understand what they have, and what they have is an aging catcher who, don't get me wrong, playing well. But if you want him to continue to play well, he needs more time off. It's as simple as that. He is not young. He especially does not have young knees, and they will not hold up to the length of the contract if you keep playing him at this rate. Yeah, this this is starting to get tough on me because, I mean, I think everybody knows that I, much like Josh is a Randall Gritchick apologist, the, Yachty can do no wrong in my eyes. I may get frustrated with him, but I completely understand why he does what he does. Um, to answer this, this question very simply, uh, because I don't think there's really anything to it besides the fact that um, Molina just needed a day off, and that's that's as simple as that. Um, you know, this entire situation it, it is difficult because you have a catcher to the, the uh, with the pedigree of Molina, you know, for a couple more years while Carson Kelly has his own pedigree of being you know the best catching prospect in baseball. So. The Cardinals are in a, certainly in an interesting situation, and it will be an interesting uh, next couple of years to see how Molina is phased out of that catching rule because at some point it will have to be done. Carson Kelly has to get games behind the plate, especially if those new guys like Weaver and Jack Flaherty are going to continue to pitch in the rotation. I mean, you think about what – Mosellock's comments of, of the rotation earlier said, you know, those oh, those are the future of the Cardinals, and Carson Kelly is, is, you know, is no stranger to that either. He is the future catcher of the St. Louis Cardinals, and I think people need to understand that, but at the same time, you still have your present going on in Yachty or Molina, and, and I think this is just more due to a day off. Um, so, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next question because we have about eight minutes left in our show, and that is from Matt Fowler. And Matt has an interesting question, and I think you guys will enjoy this one. And the question goes like this. Is Stubby Clap being looked at for promotion with a lot of Memphis players making cases for being on the club next year and Matheny potentially missing the playoffs again this year? So, Josh... I feel like you are going to give me one of the more sassier answers. So what do you make of this question? I Stubby Clap has to be looked at. There's no if, and, or but about it. If this team is willing to not, like, at least take a look at what they have, they're just okay with being average. There is anything that's limiting them from saying, let's just take a look at what we have down here. Because if you don't, other teams will. That is a downright fact. 
you will lose a guy like Cubby Clapp to another team if you aren't willing to make that kind of move. The guy has been utterly impressive, especially with what he's done, and you have to assume that he would bring his hitting coach with him. And Budaska is a very well-renowned hitting coach, especially around Memphis. So I don't think that he is going to get as good of a chance as he should, But and I blame that on his team being unwilling to make the drastic move. But if they do move on from Athene, their first call for an interview has to be Stubby Class. Yeah, it, and, you know, this is definitely going to be a hot topic, and even even more so if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs. So, Dr. Miles, I want to get your opinion next. What do you What do you make of this question? Because, as I said, it is going to be a hot-button hot issue. Will Matheny get fired, and is Stubby Club the next person in line? Oh, you know... I, I really hate that question because <laughs> I want to say well, yes, Matheny is going to be fired, but my my gut tells me he's not. Um, I think he absolutely should, and I think Stubby Clap absolutely must rise up, and I think he must, as Josh said, bring Budaska with him because Buddha is outstanding. Buddha is the solution. Buddha is the one who made. All of the players find their swing. He's the one who fixed Grichik, and I think if Josh wants Grichik to be great, he needs him to be around Buddha. Um, <clears throat> that's not to say Grichik stays on the team. Uh, you know, I, I think that the reality is that Levy Clapp needs to be the 2018 manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Fair enough. Trevor, up to you now. We've got about uh, five minutes left, so you've got about two minutes. I, I'll take a minute or so, and then we'll wrap up. Well, you might have more time than you think. I'm not <laughs> as in tune with Stubby Clap as I probably should be as a member of the Redbird Rants podcast, but I will say this. Um, Mike Matheny, obviously coming in as as manager, having played you know Cardinals organization, things like that, Stubby Clap holds records for Memphis, um, he holds the franchise record for triples and walks. I don't know if you guys know that, but that's what a quick Google search can do for you. And um, he ha- he did very well this year. He had very good players this year. I'm not saying that that's the only reason. Obviously, good coaching goes into that, but he did have a very great foundation. He did great things with it. So if there is a move made, I think Stubby Clap absolutely needs to be called, probably should be the first call. Will, I think there be a move made as far as coaching goes Probably not, but if things shake up and they decide to go a different direction with the manager and some coaching roles, they absolutely need to go look at Memphis because they're going to have those players coming up and the coaches have shown they know how to work with those players. Yeah, Let I me jump that... in if I can and add one one thing. As somebody, sure. as somebody who's actually watched Subby Clapp make managerial decisions, for all of the moments when we find ourselves scratching our heads at Matheny's managerial decision, I can tell you that Clapp, I didn't have that reaction to him. I didn't have moments when I thought, what a boneheaded move. Uh, His ability to manage the bullpen and manage his pitching staff, 
far outshined Matheny. And I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, and I think it's a great point because, you know, you know, one of the biggest things that I always look at with Matheny is bullpen management. And, you know, we've said it time and time again on this podcast. He just is is very, very poor decision-making when it comes to that. And, unfortunately, you know, that's led to, you know, some of the losses that the Cardinals have suffered this year. And it's it's not, you know, it's not for them. So do I think Stubby Clapp deserves a, a chance? Absolutely. So hopefully, you know, if that happens, you know, we can we can get to that point in, in 2018. So, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up our episode. Thank you for joining us tonight. If you are listening, if you are getting the chance to listen on uh, a different day, thank you so much. This is the Redbird Rants podcast for Josh, Dr. Miles, and Trevor. My name is Tito Rivera. We will see you next time, and hopefully the Cardinals can finish off this uh, sweet. Thanks and have a good night. Into running well.